Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless if you. If y'all wonder what I do on my watch, it's that timer I set that says in my head whether or not I've kept y'all in here long enough and let y'all go if I see something that don't look right on my watch. Unless, unless you know, God moving, that's a whole different thing. All right, I am now ticking. We ready? Family, let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, we never take it for granted this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use what is shared here today and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. And they got our Bible confession locked and loaded. Whatever form your Bible takes, please hold it up high and let's say this confession. Let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable, it is the truth, it is divine, it is the word of God, and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Loved ones, your first image for today. As you know, we are talking about, for 2023, what is the specific vision or the pathways that God has us on to get ourselves back in line? What do you mean back in line? Well, having come back, having come back from what the quote-unquote world has gone through beginning in the year 2020, there have been some things that we've had to get readjusted, get some things restored, get some things re-engaged, get some stuff rebuilt. And we're on the re-engaged category. The goal for that category is this, re-engage life regardless of the fear or failure and re-engage it without condemnation. That's in red for a reason. Knowing that if you fall in the process, your risen king has empowered you to get up. And we are locked in to condemnation. Specifically, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, the King James Version, which reads here, there is therefore now no condemnation. Everybody say no condemnation. No condemnation. Thank you, Lord. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Today, we're going to jump right into the message without a big introduction. You know, I'm using the introduction kind of guy. Give you a little backflash from a from couple weeks and, and lead you in so we can keep that thing very much a smooth transition. But today, two feet in the water. Here we go. I'm going to take you right now to this next image, Luke. Chapter 15 and for your notes, we are going to be, outside of some other small references, right here today. Luke chapter 15, the easy-to-read version for the most part. 
after I go through these initial verses, I will give you more context to what we're talking about today. But keep in mind, we are locked in on condemnation. More specifically, no condemnation. Verse 1. Many tax collectors and sinners came to listen to Jesus. Then the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to complain, Look, this man welcomes sinners and even eats with them. There is a big difference between the people referenced there in verse 1 and the folks talking in verse 2. Verse 1 says Jesus is being listened to by tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors and sinners, business people, people that are familiar with the ways of the world. These people listen to Jesus because he's not looking down at them. And they listen to Jesus because what he is saying is making some sense. Then in verse 2, you got religious folk. You see, Jesus is not looking down at them like he's holier than thou. He is not doing that because he has a relational objective, so he needs to remain approachable. But now we had a religious folk. People with their nose so far up their Bible that they look down their nose at people. People that have so much of a religious way about them that they can't even see what God is doing. Jesus' approach is I need to maintain a certain air about me because my objective is to reach people. But the religious folk looking down at them, do, they do just the opposite. They repel people. Jesus, after knowing their complaint, he ends up rolling into three stories, two of which are quite short. Notice. Next image. Verse 3, Jesus told them this story. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, but one of them gets lost. What will you do? Now he goes on to tell them, I'll tell you what you would do. You take the 99 that you still have, you put them in the cut so they'd be safe. Then what you would do is go around every place you think that sheep would be, digging around the territory to try to find that sheep. And if you do find that sheep, you know what you would do then? You'd go get yourself a DJ, go get a caterer. You would throw down and have a party and celebrate. Now, don't say all that. But he said, you will basically be happy. You would tell everybody in the neighborhood, I found my sheep. I found the one that was lost. And then he goes into verse 7 in the same way. I tell you, heaven is a happy place when one sinner decides to change. There is more joy for that one sinner than for 99 good people who don't need to change. Just because, in your view, religious ones, 
you good with God, you feel like you don't have to change. Because you feel that way, heaven isn't necessarily singing your praises, especially if what you're doing is repelling those who need to change. But here we go. He didn't stop there. He said, here's another short story for you. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins, but she loses one of them. Now, the Bible doesn't have these words in it, but I believe that you see how in the first one he said, what would you do? What would you do? He added in there somewhere, what do you think she would do? He says, I'll tell you what she would do. She turned her house upside down looking for it. She looking under the rug. She all in the husband man cave. She looking in shoes. She in the refrigerator. Maybe it got put in the mayonnaise. She don't know where the corn is. She trying to find it. She looking for it. She would do anything she has to do to try to find that one coin. But why do you want to find the one you already got nine? Because that one has value. Why, why would you need to go find another sheep you already got 99? Because that one has value. If I can save the one, I want to get the one. 99% isn't good enough. If I can be at 100. She would tear her house up trying to find that coin. And when she found it, guess what she would do? She would go running through the streets and telling everybody, I found my coin. Thank you, Jesus. He jumps into verse 10. In the same way. It is a happy time for the angels of God when one sinner decides to change. Now, family, your context. These first two stories and the other one we will discuss fit in very well with our conversation about condemnation. When you are under the weight of condemnation, it is like you are wandering around the world lost. Condemnation presents to you a situation whereby you are in such bondage that you are not even reflecting and existing like the person God created you to be. Condemnation restricts you. It changes you. It zaps you of joy. It zaps you of courage. It zaps you of the thought that I can do. It zaps you of the thought that I have a future. Condemnation, when it's on you, it makes you a person God didn't even create you to be. Therefore, every single message that we're presenting you as it relates to condemnation is designed to take you from the category of lost to found. Every message is designed to take condemnation's grip and force a release. Now, there have been some of you who have come up and you shared with me, some maybe even Greta or maybe the both of us, but I'm just going to keep it me. You shared with me, you said, Pastor, those messages on condemnation, those things have made me, just set me free. Amen. But that's not the case for everybody. Even for the people who have told me that they have been set free, 
That's not the case. How do I know? Because I keep my ear to the ground and I listen. Because when you come up here and you talk to me, believe it or not, I listen. When you come up here and you're communicating with me, I'm looking at your body language. I'm looking at the level of confidence in your eyes. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at how you communicate in total. You are saying out of your mouth that that condemnation is no longer part of your life, but everything about you, all the words coming out of your mouth, how you present yourself is saying something totally different. You say you can do all things through Christ. And in the very next breath, you talk about what you can't do. In the very next breath, you talk about what you will never have. In the very next breath, you talk about what is impossible because of your history, because of the mistakes you made, because of, of, of where you come from. You say you've been made free. You say you've been set free from condemnation, but everything about you communicates you're wrong. That's why we're not so quick to leave it. Oh, in that one breath, you say, I can do all things through Christ. All things are possible to them that believe. But in the very next breath, you are downgraded or not downgraded or downgrading. You're even dismissing all of your gifts, all of your talents, all of your abilities, all of your capabilities, you're dismissing all of that, all of your hopes, all of your dreams, all of your ambitions. You're dismissing them. Why? Because of where I came from. Because of mistakes I've made. Because of the history surrounding me. And because you take condemnation and give it top billing in your life, you wander this earth lost. And in wandering lost, it's not even you anymore who are wandering because under condemnation's feet, you are not really able to be who God created you to be. This is not God's will for you. It's not his will for you. Our objective is to get you out of the lost category and bring you into the found category. This opens us up to talk about something. And we're going to use that third story from Jesus to do so. But what are we going to talk about? Say, Pastor, what are we going to talk about? Mm, I'm so glad you asked. You know I love it when you talk to me. I got it for you right here in black and white, next image. We're going to talk about condemnation gateways. What do I mean by condemn condemnation gateways? Well, condemnation... The gateway to, a con to condemnation is a door. 
an entry point, an opportunity. An opportunity to leave where you are and walk into a realm where condemnation now rules your life. And that door can manifest itself in a variety of different situations. The point is, it's an opportunity to let condemnation get a grip on your life. The question is, do you walk through that door? Or for some of us, <laughs> what side of that door are you already on? 1 some you're going to learn that you are at the brink of condemnation's gateway and you are one decision away from walking in that door. Other ones of us, you're going to look up and look back and you, you've been in the door 12 steps ago. So you need to get out of it. What we are going to talk about or work through is Jesus' third story. The third story, people call it a lot of different things. The parable of the lost son. The parable of the two brothers. Some simply call it prodigal son. For clarity, just to add a little drop of clarity, Many of us in church have heard prodigal son. You've heard the word prodigal. But prodigal never shows up in scripture. Not there. There are some versions that have prodigal in other parts of the Bible. But under prodigal son, there's no text that has the word prodigal in there. But we say it. Have you ever looked it up? Let's just be clear. Notice. We, we like clarity around here. Prodigal can be an adjective. It can be a noun. I'm talking about the adjective. It's, to sound, it's defined this way. Prodigal, recklessly wasteful, extravagant, or self-indulgent. Such a person could be characterized as being squandering, irresponsible, uncontrolled, wild, and so on. So when you hear the phrase prodigal son, knowing what prodigal means, as a parent of children, you would put it in layman's terms that you got a kid that's tripping. <laughs> Acting like you don't necessarily want him to act. Being grown. Whatever. A prodigal son. Someone that's losing their way. If I put it that way. All right, let's jump in the water. Next image. Verse 11. Then Jesus said, having already gave, given them two stories, let me give you a little longer one, just to drive the point home. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, give me now the part of your prophet. Look at this joker that I am supposed to receive someday. That ain't got to be today, but someday. So the father divided his wealth between his two sons. A few days later, the younger son gathered up all that he had and left. There, is, there are so many lessons 
we could pick through and bring out of this parable. But for us, we want to talk about condemnation gateways. Here, the father, just like many other parents, stands at a gateway. If you are a parent who have or have had older children, you're going to get this. And when I say older, I'm not talking about teenager older. I'm talking about the government call you an adult older. I'm talking about you can go out and get your own house older. You can have your own bills older. Hey, you can pay your own car insurance and your own phone bill and your own health insurance. Somebody help me now. Thank you, Jesus, for that. They can get off your payroll kind of older. I'm talking about older. Older. If you have been in a position to where you have an older child and that older child wants to go, you've been at this gateway. They want to go, but you don't want to let them go. And you don't want to let them go, not because you're trying to keep them from something, but because you know if they just stay under your umbrella a little longer, if they let you take care of them a little longer, life would be easier for them when they get ready to go. Now, for some parents, and I said parents, parents slash guardians, but parents, for some parents, guess what? They are really holding back their kids for some selfish reason. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about parents that really look at their child and know in the bottom of everything they got down, down in the gut that they not ready to be on their own. They not ready to do what they say they're going to do. They not ready. You know that God can do all things, but if you, have, if you have any input, you're not even trying to stop them from doing what they want to do. Just let me be there to help you. But they want to go. This father stands at a gateway. And if you've ever been a parent that stood at this gateway, the question is, you, 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 don't you know how it feels? If you've been there and you've stepped through that door, now you have a wait. Because that child left and you play in your mind over and over and over again that scene when they left. You ask yourself, is there something I could have did to keep them here? Is there something I could have said that kept them here? You go that thing over and over and over and over, and it is painful. You sit there in the, in the midnight hour. You should be resting, but you're thinking about your child. And it gets excruciatingly painful if you are watching your child 
And guess what? You see that life is being a brutal teacher. You knew in your knower they weren't ready. And now when you see them struggling, you put the weight on yourself because that grown child, say grown, and I said it right, grown child, not grown man, not grown woman, being an adult by age is one thing. Being mature in the mind is another. You can be a grown child. I've seen grown children older than me. How you going to be older than me and never learned a lesson? How you, how you don't act any better than, than my children and they decades younger than you? But they told you, I'm grown. They told you, I know what I'm doing. They told you. And you tried your best to get them to stay. Once again, not because you want to keep them from life, but you want them to have a better life. You know what struggle life is about. You've been there. They haven't. They left. Now, this father let him go. And in that father's release, loved ones, I'm going to share with you two points of freedom. Points to give you comfort if, if this is where you're at. I ask myself, and I ask God, why was this father so willing to let the child go? Let me give you a little sidebar. The father let him go, right? So as a believer, realize God don't hold you back from doing wrong. Just like he don't make you do right. But why? Here are your two points of freedom. Points of freedom to hopefully give you comfort in stepping back out of condemnation's gateway if you're there. And not entering it if you're at, if you're at the point of entry. Number one. The father and any other good parent here or that's listening. The father, having had his son under his care all this time, having taught and groomed and put forth all the, 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 the wisdom that he knew he could at this point, realized he has to trust his training. When you have done everything you have done to teach your child and they want to leave, doggone it, you got to trust the training. What's the second point of freedom? This one's going to get you. Because trust the training is something I've always said. But this next one, God just told me this. This father let him go. I asked God, why? Now, this isn't written. I'm just telling you the response I got. 
he said the father let him go because the father realized that the fight to keep him was more damaging to the relationship than the release. Sometimes we fight to keep, in this case, a child or a friend or a colleague. We fight to keep them. And the fight to keep them creates more damage to the relationship because of what you say in the heat of the moment, because of what you end up doing in the heat of the moment, because of things you can't take back in the heat of the moment. It ends up doing more damage to the relationship than if you just released and give it to God. If you've ever found or find yourself at this gateway, instead of walking through that door, parents, trust your training. And between you and your children and your associates or whoever, remember, many times the fight to keep them does more damage than the release. Continuing with our parable or our story. Verse 13, a few days later, the younger son gathered up all that he had left, had and left. He traveled far away to another country, and there he wasted his money living like a fool. Put a pause right there. Anybody up in the place ever look back on your life and the things you did and said to yourself, my God, I was living like a fool. I'm talking about not nobody else talking about you. You looking at the movie of your own life and saying, my God, I live like a fool. The money I wasted, living like a fool. Oh, my God. Me and Greta talk about that sometime. If we could have 50% of the money back that we blew on junk, we never should have bought, places we never should have went, people we never should have gave money to, things we never should have invested in. If we could get some of that money back, God, if you bring a manna from heaven, I'm not asking for something you never gave me. Give me back what you gave me, but I wasted. Come on, Jesus. Come through for me. If we only had a little bit of the money that we done wasted, my goodness, my goodness. Just acting like a fool. The drinking. And for some folk, drugs. I ain't do the drugs, but the drinking and the drugs. <laughs> the substances. How's that? All the substances. You just acted like a fool. Doing what you did in the booth, in the back, in the corner, in the dark. Hey, with whoever you was doing it with, huh? Huh? All the stuff you did. You know the stuff. 
when you got your car and got a little freedom, all the stuff, all the places you went to, being disobedient, breaking the law. Somebody told me one time, they were talking about, it was either something on the news, or I think I might have been at work, but they were looking down at somebody who had got in trouble. Like, it was like, I don't know, they had robbed a bank or, or, or they did something crazy. And I told them this. I said, you know the difference between them people on TV and most people? They got caught. I, I went on to tell them, there are things in my life that I've done that, and listen, I, I'm going to just throw this out there for whoever's listening. I am not, I don't believe in the bottom of my heart that I am, I am, I am racist at all. But there are things that I have done in my past that, number one, just on surface level, some of those things, if I got caught, I would have been locked up. On other of those things, they may not have been that bad, but depending on where I was in the state, yeah. when they caught me with my mocha complexion, <laughs> I could have been either locked up or roughed up by the law. Running around, I've been with groups of people where, the, you know, the law looking for the group. I just know what tree and what path and what bush and what ditch to go in. Don't blame me because you ain't know how to hide. But, but you just, you look back on your life and you say, my God, I live like a fool. You live so much like a fool that you ended up doing things then that are still affecting you now. A few days later, the younger son gathered up all that he had and left. He traveled far away to another country, and there he wasted his money living like a fool. After he spent everything he had, there was a terrible famine throughout the country. He was hungry and needed money. So he went and got a job with one of the people who lived there. The man sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He was so hungry that he wanted to eat the food the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. This man, this son, man, he is standing at a gateway that many of us have stood in. He is staring down the barrel of the results of things that he did or avoided to do or avoided doing that are affecting him right now. And that's a gateway. That's a gateway that's very attractive, too. Why? It's attractive because 
the simple fact that you're here is based nothing is based on nothing else but your poor decision making. It's based on your decision making. And because it's based on your poor decision making, that's bad. But what make it worse is that the realities of your poor decision making stare you in the face every day. You wake up, they before you already staring you in the face. The end results of your poor decision making. What do I mean? Well, you in the job you don't want. You in the job that you believe are, is, is far below your capabilities, but because of a decision that you made in the past, this is the only job you can get right now. And it stares you in the face every day. You're in a job you don't want to, you, that you don't want. You're not making the money that you want. You're not in the house that you want. You're not driving the car that you want. You're not wearing the clothes that you want. It's staring you in the face. Oh, you like looking at those fancy trips on HD or whatever, go, go show me places I ain't never going to go channel. <laughs> but you ain't got the money to get there. It stares you in the face. And let me tell you something about that. There are places that I watch, because sometimes my wife will watch different channels that kind of like show like foreign countries and stuff like that. There are places, when I look at it, I'm like, I would really like to go there someday. And then there are other places that I say, there ain't no way in God's green earth I'm ever going to go there. And I ain't going to eat that. And we ain't going to sleep out there like that. It ain't going to happen. But it stares you in the face that you, that you can look at a place you want to go, but you ain't got the resources to get there. It stares you in the face, and it's a gateway. Why? Because you are condemning yourself when you look back at how foolishly you lived, and you realize it's all my fault. It's a weight. And just like the previous gateway we talked about with that father that, listen, trust your training, let that weight go. Hey, don't try to hold them. It's more damaging. Let that weight go. The same thing here. If this is you, let that weight go. Because you know what? The fact is, yeah, you did some stuff you shouldn't have done. Yeah, you could have made life easier on yourself. But the fact is, you did not. You didn't. And you can't, you can't go back and change what you didn't do. You can't go back and erase what you did do. Drop the weight. Let it go. What, 
we want you to realize it's just the same thing that this son is going to realize pretty soon, is he's getting there, is that the best thing you can do is to start where you are and make a decision today to make your life better. You have to realize it. And not just realize it, put some action to it. Oh, this son realizes it. Next one. The beginning of verse 17. The son realized that he had been very foolish, he thought to himself, basically. He's starting to think. In the King James message and the voice in that order, here is the beginning of Luke 15, verse 17. The King James said, and when he came to himself, he said, the Message Bible, that, what's that? Him living like he was living. Him, him letting life be his teacher. Him going through what he had been going through. That brought him to his senses, and he said, the voice so he had, the, he had this moment of self-reflection. I've been there. And he said to himself, what am I doing here? For many of us, if we were to really admit it, in our mind, it was like, what the am I doing here? Right there, that question of self-reflection, that is the locus, the point of breakthrough that God wants us to get to. The point to where we are confronting the condemnation that has us weighted down and asking ourselves, why am I still carrying this? What am I doing here? He wants us to release the weight. Because unless you release the weight, until you step back out of condemnation's gateway, you will never be in the earth who he has called you to be. You will never live free. You will always be weighted down. You will always be restless. Your mind will always be churning when you should be at peace. You will always be doubting yourself. You will always look at capabilities that you have and downgrade them and dismiss them until you get condemnation off your back. You will not exist in this earth the way God wants you to exist. The sun is starting to realize something. Let's continue. Now, here we go, verse 17 in its entirety. Verse 17 through 20. The son realized that he had been very foolish. He thought, all my father's hired workers have plenty of food. But here I, but here I am almost dead because I have nothing to eat. I will leave and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against God and have done wrong to you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but let me be like one of your hired workers. So he left and went to his father. This man, this son, stands at a gateway. It says that he realized something. In other versions, he pondered, he had self-reflection. He came to himself. You know what all that mean? All that mean is he was wrestling with himself whether or not he should stay his behind in the situation that he's in or go back to his daddy. How do I put that a little differently? This man tried everything in his power not to go back. In his gut, he didn't want to go back. You got to believe it's hard to go back. The way he left, the last thing you want to do is go back to your daddy. It's the last thing you want to do. He is at a gateway of pride. I, he out there, in his words, in Jesus' story, almost dead. But you know what? The day he said, I'm going to go back to my father, he had been almost dead, quote unquote, dead, many days. It could have been weeks. It could have been months. It don't say. But the bottom line is, in his gut, he was trying to work that situation out. Sometimes you will put yourself in a position because of your pride that you're going to keep trying to work yourself out, even though it keeps your situation out, even though every day you go deeper in the hole, deeper in the hole, deeper in the hole. One day the hole is four feet. Next day it's six feet. It's up to your neck now, but you're still trying to work it out. Why? Because you don't want to go back to your daddy. You don't want to go back to your mama because you know how you left. You know the trash you talk when you left. You know that that person was asking you to stay because you ain't ready. Oh, 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 but, but you was grown. And um, it, it, it's in a father-son context, but it could be a friend. Somebody that you just said, listen, take this advice. Once again, it's not about what you want to do. I just don't think you're ready. This young man has stepped in the condemnation gateway by pride alone. And not only that, he's dealing with self-punishment. How do I know? Because he said, I'm no longer worthy is what he want to tell his daddy. He has put himself in his own position, in his mind and in his heart, that because of what I've done, I should be downgraded in life. Here are some points of freedom for you, though, if you're there. Because I want you to come out of that gate, step back out of that door, or don't enter the door. Number one, if God has asked you to reach back out to some important person for support, do it. If God is leading you to do that, do it. Don't be so concerned about what their reaction is going to be. 
Do you let God worry about their reaction? You just be obedient to him. And just to make this clear, we can go even more general. There could be relationships that for whatever reasons, things that came out of your mouth, things that you did, that you torched. But God is saying, reach back. But what they going to think, that's not your place to think that. Obedience says you just do it. And you let God worry about the reaction. What is the other point of freedom? Verse 20 begins, so he left and went to his father. Do you know sometimes our perception, perception, perception of what the outcome of our action will be keeps us from doing it? Keeps us from doing it. So your point of freedom is this. Don't allow your belief or perception of what the outcome will be cause you to stay in a bondage state and not make the decisions necessary to make your life better. To put it in, in, in more of a conversational context, what we say to ourselves is, I can do that, but if I do, this will happen. When the fact is, you don't know. You don't know what will happen. You let God worry about that. Your only decision and your only point is that you need to take a step to make your life better. Yeah, you messed up. But don't stay in the mess. Get up out of it. Verse 20 continues this way. It says, so he left and went to his father. While the son was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and felt sorry for him. There's a lot there. But we're going to stick on our path saw him coming and felt sorry for him. So he ran to him and hugged him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against God and have done wrong to you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father saw his son coming back and he ran to embrace him. But if, even in the midst of his father's embrace, the son is still in condemnation. Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Many of us are that way when we come to God and just live this life. We walk around with condemnation on our shoulder, on our back, and we believe we're not worthy of better. We're not worthy to be called a son. God, we're not worthy of you to do this for me. I'm not even worthy. Look, I'm not worthy of my parent to even take me back. I do not want us to miss, though, 
the fact that the Father stands here at a condemnation gateway. He stands at the gateway of unforgiveness. At the gateway of I got a burning inside of my gut to tell you I told you so. That gateway of, oh, it wasn't so easy out there, was it? Oh, oh, you find out that bills, you got to pay bills now, don't you? Oh, you like being in my refrigerator. All the food was always there, huh? Air condition felt good, didn't it? Always had a bed for you. Oh, them clothes, they don't just get them away, do they? Oh, yeah, you was dressed fly. You looking raggedy now that you ain't with me. When you was with me, you looked pretty good. Oh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's so easy to step into that gateway. The gateway of I told you so. Reflect back at Jesus' earlier stories, though, when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. It's easy, loved ones, especially as a believer, to get holier than thou. You know, the Bible says that you should obey your parents. If you had obeyed your parents, your little tail would never be in this situation. But you're missing the objective. The objective is to reach, not repel. If you look down your nose at your child, look down your nose at that other person, why are they going to listen to you? You may be the very one with your stank, pitiful, ungodly reaction with your saved self that ends up putting that person back in the street and into the devil's hands. All because... You allowed yourself to go into the gateway. Are you telling me, pastor, that if I am sharing, and I'm just sharing, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm just sharing what the word says. I'm just stating the obvious. If what I do is tell my child that all of the things that happen to them is just like I said? Are you telling me that I am under condemnation? No, you're worse. You're being the condemner. Being under condemnation is one thing. Being the person that hefts condemnation up and put it on somebody else's shoulders is another. You are supposed to be the mature one, aren't you? You are the one who, hey, aren't you part of the 99 that didn't left, that didn't leave? Yeah, they didn't left. I said they didn't leave. Aren't you part of the 99? Ain't you part of the nine coins that lady still got? Ain't you? So why in the world, when you know how life can be, yeah, she came home pregnant. Don't put that condemnation on her shoulder. He came home, he a daddy now. Why are you going to put that condemnation on his shoulder? Because listen, when she came back to you, it was already a struggle. She didn't want to come back to you because she know how you are with your same self, your stink, nasty, churchy attitude. She know how you are. He didn't want to come back to you in the first place. You are the only place he could come back to and hopefully get some salvation. Don't put him in the street. Here we go, though. I, I'm, 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 
I am free. I am not under condemnation. I have the right to continue to teach when they come back. You're right. You might not be under condemnation. You might be free, but you are not free to condemn. You're not. You're not free to condemn. I don't care what you read in your Bible. You're reading it wrong. I don't care what somebody then told you. They told you wrong. You are never free to condemn. God didn't do everything he did through Christ to give you the scepter of condemnation. Thank God. And I know Jesus told it this way for a reason, but if this is you, thank God that the father was mature enough not to step through that gateway. Instead, what he did was he had compassion for him, for his son. The Bible says in Jesus' story that he ran to him, hugged him, he kissed him. In other words, his words, his actions, his deeds, everything he genuinely was preparing to do towards his son was communicating Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is no condemnation for those who want to come back to their daddy. There is no condemnation to those who want to come back home. That father's attitude, you want to come back home, come back. You want to come get it right, come get it right. You want to come make it better, come make it better. I'm not going to turn you away. I'm not going to shun you. I'm going to give you a place to rest. I'm going to give you a place to lick your wounds. I'm going to give you a place to heal. Come back if you want to come back, and I will not put condemnation on you. The daddy know that the son know that what he did is not what he should have done. Why? Because he back in front of him. I can guarantee you, having been a son, that that boy tried everything under his power before he even let himself take the first footstep to go back to his daddy's house. And we close out today with this, verses 22 through, 20, through 24. Starting back at verse 21. So the son said, Father, I have sinned against God and have done wrong to you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said. Now we're going to just skip straight down and we'll come back to this later. But the father said, and I'm putting just in the conclusionary part. He said. In celebration, my son was dead, but now he's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. 
whenever you get to the point to where you can step away from condemnation, not let it keep you in pride, not let it keep you in, 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 in self-punishment, not let it keep you weighted down in the mind for the decisions that you should have made, but you didn't make them, but you can't go back and change them now, and they're affecting you today. Once you can step away from condemnation, in effect, you step out of death and you come alive. You begin to be able to be free and operate in this world like God created you to be. And that's what we want. That's what God wants. He wants you free, and he wants who you are to be in him to arise. And I don't know about you, but I look forward to seeing the real you. Because that person that, you're, that you are right now with that weight on your shoulder, that ain't the real you. That is the you you've gotten accustomed to. But when you're free, when you can look at your past and say, yeah, I did it, but guess what? That ain't me no more. Those are the decisions I made then, but I'm making better decisions now. When you can look down the barrel of condemnation and say, I ain't going to walk in that door. Now you're ready to live. And in re being ready to live, you know what else you, you begin to be able to do? We begin to get a, be able to re-engage life and then make a path to rebuild. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to put a pause in it. And I want you all to just realize condemnation, this discussion, we got a couple more, so it's not going anywhere. But what I need you to do is start removing the weight off your shoulder today. Don't let it be something that you just hear. Remember, many people say that they're free of condemnation, but when they say that, are they really? Because if you never get yourself out of it, you're not really free. And God wants you free. Loved ones, let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here and that we know condemnation has absolutely, positively no place in our life. God, you want us free. So if we stand at the door of condemnation, we're going to do a 180 and not walk through that door, but walk the other way. We're going to make the mature decision. We're going to make the decision that has our mind focused on our future, not just being tied up into the emotions of right now. if we have stepped into that gateway. God, our confession is that every person here that is in that situation has decided 
not just today, but right now, that they stepping back out of that door. It doesn't matter why they step through. God, it just matters that they step back out. There is no condemnation To those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. So we put it down as a weight. And I thank you that we will see everybody soon walking this earth being the person that you have created them to be because they are lighter now without that condemnation. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.